0: What you're looking at right now are eight of the most significant unnamed names in the 67-page court document, Ms. Grant versus McMahon, Laurinaitis, and WWE slash TKO. And in this video, I am going to reveal the names and faces behind each and every single one of these question marks, like this one right here. Brock Lesnar but how do we know for sure that Brock Lesnar is the unnamed WWE superstar in the court document well I'm gonna show you right now along with all of the other unnamed names in the court document and I'm not gonna do it based on rumor and innuendo I'm not gonna do it based on reckless speculation I'm gonna do it based on proof based on facts and on the preponderance of evidence provided within the documents themselves. So hang out with me, come along for the ride, and stay till the end as we reveal each and every unnamed name in the 67th page court document, starting right now. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Seth Grimes, Here today, in what should go down as my most significant video of all time ever, certainly my most significant journalistic venture. Uh, This is no joke, no hyperbole. I have personally gone through the 67 page document and I have gone through it with a fine tooth comb, and I have come up with what I believe to be all of the unnamed names listed in the document itself now i do want to give a few caveats here one i am not a lawyer so there are going to be things about this case that i'm just not going to understand because i don't have the legal expertise to do it Also, I want to give a blanket, allegedly, allegations across the board. So I'm not going to repeat myself every single time I say something, every single time I present you with a piece of evidence. I'm not going to sit here and say, allegedly, I'm giving that to you now as a blanket statement. Everything for uh, the rest of this video will be a rumor. And uh, speculation and allegations at this point, based on what is in the court document, until this has gone to trial or been settled or proven in the court of justice. Uh, this is just allegations at this point. And I am but a humble YouTuber. However, this humble YouTuber does have a degree in journalism. And I am a former writer for a small period of time for the Pro Wrestling Torch. So that at least qualifies me to take a stab at it, if you will. And uh, take a stab at it, I will. As we are going to present to you by the end of this video, every name that was unnamed in the court document will be revealed. Starting with this one, as I said earlier, let's hop on over. Here you see the board. We're going to start with the eight most significant unnamed names in the court document. And as we know already, or as we believe to know, Brock Lesnar is the WWE superstar that was unnamed. And uh, let's go ahead and dive on in deeper here and take a look at how we know That Brock Lesnar is indeed the unnamed WWE superstar beyond reasonable doubt. Based on preponderance of evidence. Not based on what you heard on somebody else's YouTube channel or out on the internet. So for a closer look, let's pop on over here to our first board as we attempt to name the unnamed WWE superstar. As referenced in the 67 page court document. With facts and evidence, because right now everybody is speculating that it is Brock Lesnar based only on what we know to be true is that it was listed as a UFC, a former UFC champion. So, of course, it's Brock Lesnar, right? But not so fast because WWE also has in their active prime at that time two other former UFC champions in Cain Velasquez. And in Ronda Rousey. Now, of course, that's laughable because we all know Ronda Rousey is a girl, right? But look, it's 2024, and in 2024, we cannot rule out Ronda Rousey as a possibility of being the WWE superstar that was interested in getting pictures or some action from Miss Grant based on the fact alone that she's a female. So what else do we know? We know from the court documents that the WWE superstar listed is a world famous athlete and former UFC heavyweight champion with whom WWE was actively trying to sign to a new contract. We also know that this is a professional wrestling superstar who performs at WWE wrestling events, during the time of miss grant's employment mcmahon signed the wwe superstar to a new contract with wwe and mcmahon shared the photos of the wwe superstar and then informed miss grant that he likes what he sees so this is what is in the document that we can confirm so first of all it's Hop back over here to our board and we can cite, obviously, with the phrase, he likes what he sees. We can go ahead and rule out that, yes, Ronda Rousey was not the person in question. as She was on leave at this time, so theoretically she could have uh, been being uh, courted to come back. Uh, But she was also on leave to, you know, have a baby. So Ronda Rousey has been factually eliminated from this conversation. And now you see how this is going to work. Let's continue over to our next slide as we continue to try to rule this out here. Uh, Let's take another look at the facts. Now that we've gotten rid of the Ronda Rousey from the equation, what else do we know? Former UFC champion, WWE was actively trying to sign to a new contract. And then, during the time of Miss Grant's employee, McMahon did sign this superstar to a new contract with WWE. And this was around the SummerSlam event. And uh, that was also listed in the court document. So, well, let's... Hop on over to our next slide here. What do we know? We know that Kane Velasquez was fired in 2020. He was released from his contract. And so uh, it, he was not with WWE at the time and thus could be somebody that Vince was actively courting to return. But would Vince be trying to court somebody to return that he had just fired a year ago? Maybe, probably not, because Kane really didn't work out in WWE to begin with. But that's that's an assumption. We can't just rule him out based on that. So we got to go with more. He was also at this time during 2021, Kane was signed to Triple A. So he already had a wrestling contract that he was in a deal with. So he could not possibly be the man that Vince was trying to actively sign and bring back to the WWE. So we're going to go ahead and rule him out, not to mention that he was arrested in and around this period. So he most certainly is not going to be the guy. So is it just Brock Lesnar? We've pretty much put the nail in that, haven't we? Or have we? Let's take a look. Uh, Back at the board, we know that this is a former UFC heavyweight champion that Vince was trying to bring back in and around SummerSlam, and it is a guy. He likes what he sees. Does that necessarily mean that it is just Brock Lesnar, though? Because we also have two other former UFC champions that have participated in the WWE at some point in time, Dan Severn and Ken Shamrock. Now, as preposterous as this could possibly be, we got, We got to at least uh, rule them out in some way, shape, or form because they do fit the bill. They're males who were not signed with WWE at the time and were former UFC champions, though I would argue that they were not uh, big draws for the WWE, especially at this time. Uh, Let's see what we have. So we got the former champs. Maybe the document got it wrong altogether. And these were not just former UFC champions, but a former UFC fighter altogether. In which case, other UFC fighters on the board would be Shayna Baszler, Matt Riddle, and of course, yes, even CM Punk, who obviously was not at the time with WWE. However... This is a legal document. This is a legal court case that was filed. So we cannot just go into this assuming That uh, the court case got it wrong we have to assume that this legal filing knows what they're talking about that the way things are written were written that way for a reason and this is gonna come into play later by the way because the way things are worded and written uh, can be a difference maker and we will prove that later on in this uh, video here but hopping back over to our presentation Uh, Based on that information, we know Shayna Baszler, Matt Riddle, or CM Punk, uh, even though they are former UFC fighters that then were WWE wrestlers or vice versa, none of them were former champions, so we can rule them out as well. And that would then put us back to narrowing it down between our three former UFC champions. However, what else do we know that, that Vince was successful in bringing back this WWE superstar to WWE in and around SummerSlam 2021? And what do you know? Guess who made their return to WWE at SummerSlam 2021? And with that information now we can clearly see, based on the preponderance of evidence provided within the court document itself, we can confirm pretty conclusively that our mystery WWE superstar is indeed Brock Lesnar. Now, we must remember that even though we do know now that that is most likely Brock Lesnar, it does not mean that Brock Lesnar is guilty of anything. Though Brock has removed himself from the Royal Rumble and the WrestleMania build and anything for the foreseeable future in WWE, there's nothing that he's inherently guilty of at this time. We know that uh, per the documents, Vince was certainly trying to set things up between him and Brock or Miss uh, Grant and Brock, it did seem that Vince certainly had a fetish for Brock Lesnar, that even when uh, Brock was unable to make it to any said meetup that Vince tried to arrange, which is where the trafficking comes into play, by the way. Uh, Brock did not show up for any of those, as far as we are aware, as far as the court documents uh, would suggest and in at that time Vince actually the documents say that Vince role played as Brock Lesnar and one would have to wonder if the some of the sex toys the dildos that Vince named after wrestlers uh, If one of them might be Brock as well He seemed to have a quite the fetish for Brock um, But Brock, you know, to at, at least as of right now but Brock never showed up to any of those playdates And he did not necessarily uh, reciprocate any of the texts uh, As far as we're aware, the uh, stuff that he was into The PP stuff, that kind of thing Could have all been coming from Vince himself and unless we have any kind of leaked text or anything like that on Brock's side or Vince's phone comes out, uh, we won't know for sure. Uh, but you see what we're doing here. Let's go ahead and do another one real quick while we're at it. This one will not require much of an investigation at all or a board. And what I'm looking at is this TV production tech team. I think that that's pretty self-evident in the phrasing of that itself. That's how they're referred to in the court document. Uh, They were not referred to as ring crew. They were not referred to as anything other but the TV production team. And based on that, I think it's very safe to assume that that's going to be Kevin Dunn and his homies in the production truck. Now, again, what Dunn and his team are being accused of is not necessarily criminal. They are noted in the document as uh, being a group that Vince showed pictures of Miss Grant to or sent pictures of Miss Grant to. Uh, now we and and they might have uh, communicated with Vince that they liked what they saw, you know. They all, oh yeah, we all like this, um, but that's hearsay based on McMahon. McMahon could just be making up their response or that he showed them at all, just to uh, you know sound a certain way from his grant you know, to sound cool or whatever he was trying to do. Oh, yeah, everybody in the production truck liked it. But even if he did show the production truck pictures of Miss Grant or send the production truck pictures of Miss Grant, this could also just be a case of, look, every single guy out there, I'm sure you have a friend who has been like, bro, look at this chick's tits that I'm fucking... Those are pretty big, huh? Pretty nice. Like, it happens all the time. I've had buddies that have just shown me, like, a picture of tits in their phone. And I don't know about you guys, but at that point, it doesn't occur to me to go, well, were those consensual tits? Was there any crime taking?" No, you just trust... The guy that you already know and trust that, okay, and it's weird and it's creepy. You don't want to see his girlfriend's tits, but you're not going to jump to the conclusion that there's any wrongdoing there, that these are against her will, anything like that. So even though we do know here that this is Kevin Dunn and his production team, we can pretty reasonably guess because there is no other TV production tech crew team in the company other than Kevin Dunn's production team. Uh, But unless we're talking about like the people that do like the backstage, like B-roll stuff. But I highly doubt it. TV production tech team is Kevin Dunn's team. He oversees all of that. Uh, But that does not mean that he had, you know, done anything wrong. Speaking of McMahon sharing pictures with people, that's going to bring us to our next one here that we're going to dive into. The unnamed WWE referee referenced within the court documents let's hop on over and check this out but before we do if i could bug you guys to please if you like what you're watching at all hit that subscribe button down below like follow all that good stuff it helps me out greatly and quite frankly i put a lot of work into this and i'm hoping that uh this cracks this case wide open at least for the unnamed people um so if you do like what you're watching and you appreciate my work here Please hit that subscribe. Now, enough about that. Let's go ahead and take a look at our next board here as we solve for the unnamed WWE referee referenced within the court documents. What we have referenced here: we have on March 26th of 2020, McMahon sent a lengthy message to Miss Grant, describing in detail the circumstances surrounding sharing explicit. Photographs of Ms. Grant to a former WWE referee. So, based on this information provided within the court document, I have narrowed it down to these five WWE referees at the time of 2020 when the incident would have taken place. Uh, Based on the research, I have been able to find that there were 22 referees employed to WWE at that time. However, the document does state that this is a former WWE referee. Now look, we are going to make our first assumption here. So I want to make this crystal clear. We are going to make an assumption and I'll back up why I'm assuming this in a bit as we reveal a little bit more here. Uh, But at this time, we're going off the assumption that this former WWE referee uh, is listed as former because they are not now currently employed to WWE. Uh, But we are going to assume that they were at the time of 22 and it wasn't just a referee that no longer works for the WWE that Vince still has in his uh, phone that he would send nudie pictures to this is certainly a possibility and that's why we are making an assumption but i do have more to back up this assumption here and we'll cover that in just a minute so to move forward let's move forward with that assumption that at the time a referee this was a referee that was employed there that is now a former wwe referee it also says in the court documents that uh this was somebody that mcmahon had uh said was very loyal to him. Ms. Grant had raised concerns. We'll take a look at that here in a minute as well about the trustworthiness of this guy when Vince told her that he sent her pic- sent him pictures and uh, Vince assured her that this person was very trustworthy. So the five people on this board are five of the referees that would have been employed in 2020 that were either removed, they are no longer employed to the WWE, or would have the loyalty that vince is insisting that this referee had okay so we don't think that jessica carr is going to have uh, an extreme loyalty to vince mcmahon right we can make certain assumptions that this was maybe somebody that had been with the company for a long time with these assumptions let's go ahead and look forward here of course we have the information provided that this is a former referee in 2020 And so at this point, we can go ahead and rule out the first two suspects that were really only on the board because, in my opinion, they they had been with the WWE long enough to have that kind of loyalty with Vince McMahon. Again, uh, Jessica Carr is not going to have the loyalty built in over years and years with McMahon that, say, a Charles Robinson or a Chad Patton are going to have with McMahon. However, we know we can rule them out. Based on the fact that both of them are still currently employed to the WWE. So going forward with that information, we can rule them out as suspects here. Leaving just three referees, Drake Wirtz, Mike Kyoto and Derek Moore, who were all employed in 2022 and are no longer with the WWE. So let's look forward here and look at some more information, as I uh, promised earlier. In addition to the details of it being a 2020 incident with a former referee, McMahon described how WWE referee left to masturbate and told Miss Grant she had made a perfect stranger very happy. And then the other reference to this referee in the document is that McMahon's response was to assure her of the WWE referee's loyalty to him. This is when she raised concerns that this gentleman, you know, Vince is just sending out random pictures of Miss grant to people she doesn't know this guy she raises a concern vince's go-to. Oh, don't worry about it He's very loyalty loyal to me He's he assures her of his loyalty to McMahon the sharing the explicit photos terrified Miss Grant and it uh, Illustrated how uh, McMahon has no self-control So we have all of that information to move forward So, looking back at our board now, we have two of these three guys were hired in 2014. Derek Moore and Drake Wertz. Uh, So, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for either one of these guys to have, you know, earned McMahon's extreme loyalty. Perhaps. Uh, Perhaps that's the case. You know, we're making a little bit of an assumption there. Now, uh... What we can also add to this is that Drake Wirtz is an NXT guy, which means he did not spend as much time around the, you know, main roster where he would have been around Vince McMahon very often to have that loyalty with McMahon. So another one towards Drake Wirtz. And we're going to go ahead and rule Drake out based on pretty much that he was the NXT guy and that he was fired in 2021. Uh, you know, which would check out, which would match the document, but he was kind of fired because he was being a political douchebag. He was kind of starting to push his politics on people backstage. He was making a scene outside of the WWE. You remember all that spiel going on? Uh, with all of that there, I just can't imagine that this guy, Drake Wirtz is the guy that Vince is confiding in, that he has this extreme loyalty with, that uh, he would have been sending, exchanging you know, pictures of Miss Grant with. Now, uh, that leaves... Derek Moore hired in 2014, or Mike Kiota. And moving forward, we're going to take a look at the board. One of the other things I wanted to reference here: remember when I said that we are going off the assumption that the when it says former WWE referee that McMahon was sharing pictures with in 2020 that we are going to assume that this was an employee at the time and that they're just now a former referee. Now, though, we don't know that for sure, what we do have to back it up is right here. McMahon described how the referee left to masturbate. So I would ask you, friends of the court here, based on that evidence, Left where? Where did he leave to? If this was a guy that was already released from the WWE and he was just sitting on his couch somewhere eating cheese- Cheetos or he had a desk job somewhere else or whatever the fuck he was doing. Where did he leave? If he was a referee for TNA like Derek was or whatever wartz did at the political fucking out on the, on the stand at the town hall meeting or something. Did he leave that, those, that spot to go jerk off to this pictures? No, uh, I'm going to, again, it's an assumption, but it's now an educated assumption that McMahon described how the referee left to go masturbate. He left wherever he was with Vince. He left the building. He left that area with Vince. He left uh, to go, you know, pleasure himself in the other room or whatever he did. So that's, uh, we're going to go off of those assumptions that this guy was there in 2020 is no longer there but he was there at that time because he left to go masturbate while vince was showing him pictures and uh looking at that we want to add to the loyalty and you know we got a guy hired in 2024 and we have a guy that had been with the company for 35 plus years at that time adding into that we have both of them being fired Derek Moore fired in 2021. Mike Kyota fired in 2020. Well, this incident took place in 2020. Was he there for the incident? Yeah, he sure was because Mike Chioda, uh was fired in April of 2020 where uh, this incident happened in March. Um, but that 35 years, man, that certainly builds a lot more loyalty than you would think, what, six years, seven years did with Derek Moore. And so if we're using that as reason, and we have all of these different notes within the document to back up this case, what we're going to go ahead and assume. Uh, Also, look, we're looking at Mike Kyoto had just re-signed a contract. At that time, right before he was fired, he had just re-signed with the WWE. It makes you wonder why he was fired. He was fired amongst uh, a large group of talents. There was a big roster cut at that time uh, in 2020, but it was curious because Mike Kyoto was the only referee in the bunch. The rest were wrestlers, and Kyoto had just signed a contract. You know, maybe he was—the firing could be unrelated to this. Uh, very well likely is unrelated to this, and it could be just because he's had too big of a contract— Uh, for the time who knows Uh, we're not necessarily saying that that is tied to the ms grant issue but we are saying mike kiyota has been there long enough to have the loyalty with mcmahon 35 years he was fired in 2020 no longer there but he was there at the time of the incident he had just re-signed a contract uh so based on all of that evidence i'm going to go ahead and say that Derek moore just doesn't fit the criteria that we have Uh, Basing on the preponderance of evidence, I'm going to go ahead and say that Mike Chioda is our guy. And that Mike Chioda was the unnamed WWE referee here listed within the documents. Now, again, this is speculation. Uh, This is allegedly. We don't know any of this for sure. And, of course, I do want to add the caveat that... You know, this could be a former WWE referee that was not even employed to the company at the time that Vince was just still friendly with sending pictures to. Uh, But based on the preponderance of evidence, and I I keep using that phrase because that's what's used in these lawsuits, these court cases where it's it's a, a lawsuit, it's a legal issue, not a criminal issue. In a criminal, you have to prove somebody beyond a shadow of reasonable doubt that they committed the crime, right? Which is very hard to do. You have to have a lot of evidence, a mountain of evidence, to prove beyond reasonable doubt. If you even have just a little shred of doubt that you know he could have not been there, could have not did that thing, it won't win criminally. But legally, it's a little bit different in a lawsuit. Uh, it's just preponderance of evidence. If you can stack up enough evidence that points in the direction that this was indeed the case, then it could be used to settle the lawsuit. And that's exactly what we're doing here. Uh, I'm showing you the preponderance of evidence and how we came to these decisions. Mike Kyoto surprised me a little bit. He doesn't strike me as that kind of guy, but, uh, there's really, based on what we have here, there's nobody else that it could be. I uh, also want to, again, same as Kevin Dunn, Mike Chioda uh, is simply being accused of being uh, sent pictures by McMahon. And then McMahon is saying to Ms. Grant that Kyoto liked these pictures. And he went and jerked off and he, he's a very happy man and blah, blah, blah. That's hearsay. McMahon could be making that up to Miss Grant altogether just to sound cool or sexy or whatever he's trying to accomplish there again. By saying, oh, yeah, I showed it to this guy and he really liked your body too. You know, that sounds like something he could just make up. Even if he did send or show Mike Kyoto these pictures, uh, Kyoto would not have known, again, as I said with Kevin Dunn, necessarily that this was pictures of a victim or that they were against her will in any way, shape, or form. Nor is Kyoto being uh, accused of spreading these around or you know, uh, doing anything nefarious with them other than pleasuring himself to her uh, sexy pictures, which we don't know for sure happened, uh, but that is what is being alleged within the court case. Moving on. Now we are going to attempt to solve next for the unnamed WWE employee number one within the court document. So we'll move on over to that board here. And on this board, we have a number of individuals who could be described as fitting the description of WWE employee number one. And let's take a look at some of the factoids that we have in this case. Uh, we know that this is Miss Grant's new boss, a WWE employee who worked in risk and government relations. Uh, so, when Miss Grant was brought into the company, Miss Grant was placed in the legal department. So, her new boss. I was a guy working in risk and government relations. Uh, This WWE employee was a decades-long family, friend, and confidant. Similar in age to McMahon and one of a small original group who helped the WWE expand from a regional promotion to a global juggernaut. Well, how about that? So based on that, these are the candidates. These are the suspects that I have put together that are, uh, you know, have been with the WWE for a long time that would be part of Vince's inner circle. Um, but we're gonna be able to start to chip away at this very quickly here, and let's go ahead and do that with the facts and evidence provided within the document. First thing we're gonna know is that this isn't gonna be Shane McMahon because it's not Vince's age. The court case very specifically says that employee number one is somebody that is. In similar age to vince mcmahon and though shane has been with the company for a long long time he you know going back to the original days and helped grow the company to the juggernaut that it is today he's not vince's age and so he doesn't fit the criteria so he's out so let's go ahead and check out our next step here Uh, And what we're looking at, again, her boss, Risk and Government Relations, a decades-long family friend and confidant, which also would rule out Shane because he's not a family friend. You could say he's, you know, he's family, so maybe that's what they're getting at, but this is a family friend, similar in age to McMahon, who helped grow and expand the promotion to the global juggernaut that it is today. So with those facts, what else do we know to be true about this board? We know Mark Carano can't be it. He has not been with the company back into the early days of the company and helped grow it to the juggernaut that it is today. Nor is he Vince's age. So he's going to be out there. Uh, over on the other side of the board, we have Bruce Pritchard and Kevin Dunn, who have been with the company, at least in the Titan days, right? Uh, that have helped build the company. Uh, alongside McMahon and you know are two of his closest confidants but both of them work in the TV production department remember we're looking at somebody that worked in risk and government relations so with that said we can go ahead and rule out everybody else on this board we got uh, Carano not with the company long enough not Vince's age Bruce and Kevin are TV producers and do not go back as far back to the beginning of the company since before Vince even started. They're not quite that far back. But one guy who does fit all of these descriptions is Mr. Rich Herring. Mr. Rich Herring actually predates Vince McMahon himself. He goes back to Vince's dad's company, the WWF. And has been working in risk and relations that entire time. So, with the evidence provided, he's also Vince's age. So, we have that going for this man. He's been with the company 51 years. And a fun fact about his stay over the 51 years within the company. He presided over the Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth's fake phony wedding at SummerSlam. That guy right there, the pastor, that's this guy, Rich Herring. He's been with the company that long. That's a fun fact I brought up during my research. So we know all of that about this man. He's the risk and government relations guy. And he's been with the company since the beginning. But even right here, I want to point out this part here. uh, Expanded from a regional promotion to a global juggernaut. Well, funny thing with that, as we take a look back over here at the board. uh, Juggernaut just so happens to be the exact phrasing used when Mr. Rich Herring was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame given the Warrior Award given the warrior award induction and during the actual wwe write-up on their website itself they referenced him as being with the company for 51 years they referenced that he helped build the wwe to the global juggernaut that it is today the exact wording that was used in the court document now i don't know if whoever wrote up this court document just borrowed that when they were trying to write up details about this fella or if they're trying to leave uh, cookie crumbs or whatnot Uh, but we're looking at a guy that works in risk and government relations this guy's exact job title was executive vice president of risk and government relations and he was with the company for 51 years helped build it to the global juggernaut that it is today as written on wwe.com itself Uh, risk and government relations was his job title as i said evp of risk and government relations so folks i'm telling you now uh again all of this is allegedly But there is a preponderance of evidence here. I think all roads lead to this fellow WWE employee number one being Rich Herring, who has now uh, actually been he, he left quietly. He left WWE during the merger. He no longer works there. So what does this mean? What do we know about Rich Herring and what exactly is he being accused of? Well, let's go ahead and take a look over here at my actual documents. Uh, For this employee number one, these are my notes and research that I uh, was able to put together for this. We have, uh, as we listed right here, the employee for 50 plus years, the global juggernaut. McMahon stated that outside of his attorney... Employee number one is the most feared guy in the company because number one usually fires employees, uh, which was, you know, partially why uh, this was hard. This confused me for a little bit. That's why, you know, Shane McMahon made the cut on my board. Bruce Pritchard made the cut on my board because these were guys that could potentially be, uh, you know, firing people or releasing people at one point or another. Shane, not so much, but definitely Bruce. Uh There were little details offered about Number One's role at WWE. Uh, Vince just focused when he was talking to Grant about this guy, about his past, and that uh, he lost his spouse, and and that sort of thing. And he's just been a loyal WWE member since then. McMahon touted that he was loyal to Vince, and that he would be able to take care of her in her role uh, in the legal department, um, he was apparently a pretty well-liked guy over there. He got her her position, but he wasn't around very much. He did kind of show her the ropes and went over, you know, the kind of the uh, protect, protect the business, best interest of the company. The answer isn't no, but rather, what do we do to make it happen? Uh, and he also impressed on Ms. Grant that job titles don't really mean anything in WWE, This guy was very clearly part of Vince's inner circle and low-key because I had actually never even heard of this guy in my entire life. Uh, So it was kind of surprising to stumble across him, but he was certainly there. Um, And then he was seldom in the office, and uh, that was about it. That's all we really have on this guy. I don't know that he's actually guilty of anything other than this is the guy that vince handpicked to kind of be her boss and to look after her within the company so at the very least you could uh maybe say that rich herring was in the know enough to know hey this is vince's girlfriend you know keep a special eye on her or kind of look after her or protect her and make sure you know she doesn't get in any trouble or anything like that you know so at the very extent you could argue that he might have known that she was tied to vince in some way shape or form most likely did know that but uh, that's not to say that he would have known the very intimate and gruesome and gross details of that but uh, that's you know hearsay and speculation Let's continue, shall we? Let's dive on into the next one here. Taking a look at our board, we're going to try to solve for the unnamed WWE corporate officer number four. And uh, corporate officer number four. Let's go ahead and take a look at what we know about corporate officer number four. Was a high-ranking employee at WWE who worked with legal affairs at the company until november of 2020 so here's the board that we have here of the people that were released in 2020 because what else do we know about this position here well uh, let's go ahead and hop on over here Uh, This was a high-ranking employee who worked in legal affairs. So this was her department, right? She was placed into legal. So this guy was a high-ranking employee, a corporate officer, an executive. Uh, But there is no mention that this person is on the board at all. We also know from the court document that McMahon did advise corporate officer number four to give Ms. Grant the job in the legal department. And that, uh, he was a little bit sus. He was a little bit suspect of her when she was there. And had kind of sniffed out real quickly that there was something up with her. So, uh, sounds like he was reporting to Rich. And, uh, that it was passed down that this girl needs to get a job. But I don't think he would have known anything more than that. Otherwise, I don't know that he would have been giving her the side eye. Um because it did not appear that this guy got along with her at all. It was noted that if Ms. Grant walked into the room and Officer 4 was laughing with colleagues and having a good old time, that as soon as Ms. Grant entered the room, Officer 4, would his expression would immediately change, go blank, and he'd walk away, and the whole room would just sour and darken. So this was a guy that just made it very clear, it seemed, I don't like you. I don't know what's up with you, but I don't like you. All right. But this was the guy that she would have reported to in the legal department. So what do we know? We know at the board we have a John Brody, a Mark Cowell, and a Brian Nurse. Now, we've come to these three because we learned in the document that uh in March of 2021 WWE had still not hired a replacement after WWE corporate officer number 4's termination in November of 2020 so we know this guy was kicked to the curb in 2020 and these three executives just so happen to be the only three executives in WWE that were kicked to the curb in 2020 So that's what we have. Now, this was the legal department. And one thing we see right off the bat is we have Mark Cowell. Now, Mark Cowell, what do we know about this guy? Let's hop on over to my notes. And we can see over here as we take a look that Mark Cowell was listed as a WWE board member and an executive. He was the chief accounting officer in 2019 and in 2020. During this time period. So he was the chief accounting officer. That makes him an accounting nerd. Not necessarily a legal guy. What else do we know? Let's move forward to the next board. Where we can see that corporate officer number four. Is not listed anywhere within the document. As being an executive. He is listed as a high ranking employee high-ranking employee at WWE who worked with legal affairs at the company. That is if, and now it's important, I I mentioned earlier, it's important to pay attention to the wording of the document because the document does indicate if somebody is a board member or an executive. They don't just leave that out or forget that. So when they're mentioning that corporate officer number four is a high-ranking employee at WWE, they wouldn't like forget to note that he was also on the board of directors or an executive so with that information we also know mark Cowell was on the board and was an executive so at this time i think it's safe to uh, assume that mark Cowell is not our guy he was also replaced that same month uh, by uh, karen mullane who, uh, you know, that's another thing that we also know from the court documents here. We can see that uh, in March of 2021, WWE had still not hired a replacement after WWE Corporate Officer number 4's termination in November. Still did not have a replacement in March of 2021. 20- 20. So if we didn't have a replacement March of 2020, we know Mark Cowell couldn't be it because Mark Cowell was replaced in 2020, the very same month he was released, he was replaced by Karen Mullane. So we know that he is not our guy but we do still have two names on the board let's dive in a little bit deeper here so we know that this was a high-ranking employee who worked in legal affairs at the company until 2020 and we know in march of 2021 wwe had still not hired a replacement after WWE corporate officer number 4's termination in 2020. So let's take another look at the board. Let's take a look at what we have here. We have this John Brody fellow who's the only other guy that uh, high-ranking employee that would have been released in 2020. Well, he was the head of global sales and marketing. Over here, we see John Brody, released 2020 VP, Head of Sales and Partnership and International Global Sales, Global Media Partnerships. Not legal. Now, when he was released, he was not replaced right away. Uh, But this appears to have been more of like uh, cost cutting measures in the furloughs of 2020. And his job was at the time just sort of absorbed by Stephanie McMahon. Kind of took over that until uh, June of 2022. Catherine Newman had taken, uh, had been brought into WWE as the executive VP and head of marketing. And then a month later, uh, or two months later, August 2022, Craig Stimmel Sr. was brought, or Craig Stimmel was brought in as the senior VP and head of global sales and uh, marketing. So they kind of split that job in two. it looks like that uh old john brody would have had later on in 2022 after the pandemic back when they were starting to regrow so that's kind of what we're looking at so john brody does appear to be part of a furlough cut just based on the fact that there was no real urgency to replace him Stephanie kind of took over some of his roles and that it happened during the pandemic when there were lots of other furlough cuts, but corporate officer number four was not a furlough cut. Corporate officer number four, though, I did not specifically find why they were fired. It could be related to Ms. Grant, uh, you know, maybe finding, uh, you know, getting a little too nosy uh, or suspicious or being a little bit too grumpy around Ms. Grant could easily uh, be a reason for that. Um, but they were actively trying. We do know from the document that they were actively trying To uh, replace this role, officer number four. In March 2020, WWE had still not hired a replacement after WWE Corporate Officers' termination. Uh, Let's see. Uh, McMahon had let her know that just as an entry level coordinator, top executives in the company knew about the relationship and that her presence in the legal department was effectively delaying the company's efforts to hire a replacement for that high-ranking official, who uh, did end up being Samira S- uh, S- think I'm sorry if I uh, did not pronounce that properly, who did end up replacing Brian finally in June 2021. So... This was not somebody that they were trying to cut due to budget cuts and cost for the pandemic. This was somebody that they cut for whatever reason. There was a little bit of drama going on in that legal department and it was causing them to have issues trying to fill the role. wonder why there was drama going on in that department. Could it be that Vince had a girlfriend in that department that this corporate officer number four really didn't like and seemed to kind of dislike and made, uh, you know, was not comfortable to be around. And you would think maybe if Ms. Grant had passed that information along to McMahon, that maybe Corporate Officer Number 4 wouldn't really be there much longer. However, if the whole floor is buzzing about all the drama and who this Grant was and what's going on and people don't like her and all that stuff, it could be hard to bring somebody back in new to that environment. Uh, Brian Nurse here was replaced in June of 2021. We know that. And he was in the legal department specifically. In fact, his exact job title within the company was vice senior vice president of general counsel and secretary of legal affairs. So we can add that to the board for this gentleman. He was there in 2020 in legal affairs, right, as listed in the court documents until 2020. And then in March 21, they still had issues uh, replacing this man who was fired in 2020. Well, we have a man over here that was fired in 2020. And Brian Nurse was not replaced till June of 2021 which would add up with the timeline that that we just saw here that they had still not replaced in March of 2021. Uh, It was not a furlough cut because they were trying to replace them. And uh, this person worked in legal. And in fact, as you see here, was Vince's legal advisor, his direct legal advisor. Let's jump back over to the notes Not only was he the senior vice president of general counsel, secretary of legal affairs, but he was the principal legal advisor to Vince McMahon himself. Per an article on Law.com back in 2018, Brian Nurse moved from Pepsi to the WWE and was listed in that article as reporting directly to Vince McMahon himself to oversee legal affairs, litigation, intellectual property, government relations, risk management, talent contracts, and compliance. Boom. Boom, boom, boom. How many nails you want to put in the coffin of this gentleman here i think we have proven uh with preponderance of evidence here that our most likely candidate for corporate officer number four is going to be one mr brian nurse now what do we know about brian nurse what is he being accused of here in the lawsuit well the allegation here in the case is that Brian Nurse, Officer Number 4, uh, McMahon had expressed to Miss Grant that while Brian Nurse was still employed with WWE, he knew or was highly suspected that a sexual relationship existed between McMahon and Miss Grant. And they are alleging that because he would have known of this, that he would have helped facilitate this relationship with miss grant now that's a lot to allege by miss grant we know brian nurse came over from pepsi to wwe and we know he's a lawyer he's a smart guy working in that legal department miss grant had stated in the document that she that it seemed like brian nurse had kind of sniffed out right away that there was something up with this girl and that it had to do with mcmahon he's a lawyer He's not stupid. He's going to see that there's this girl that was placed in his department, an entry level girl that's getting special treatment. That's being treated with kid gloves that was placed there for a specific reason. He sniffed this out and he treated her as such while he was there. While he was in the office, he didn't like her and he made it known he didn't like her. She would enter the room and he would go cold from laughing and having a good time. And then walk out like, ew, you're here. And then he was swiftly removed. I don't know. Now, again, uh, and this is why they're not named, by the way. Because there's not enough in the court case, at least for now, to say for certain that it was Brian Nurse. Because those are serious allegations. Uh, But they were just, but it was referenced that this is what the... uh, Miss Grant and her court her legal team are alleging about number four. I don't see it that way. I don't see him nothing in the text shows me that he facilitated anything, really. It sounded more like he tolerated. And even then, that does not indicate that he would be in the know of any graphic details or any kind of assault or rape or or you know the three ways or any of the other particularly nasty details of this case. He seems like a guy, Brian Nurse, who's a smart legal guy in the office, sees this chick, knows that there's something up with her, knows it's tied to McMahon, doesn't like her, he's kind of a dick to her, and he was swiftly removed. And I think that's exactly where we're at with that one. Now, instead of going right into Corporate Officer number three here, I want to kind of go a different route because I believe the way the story is told, it's going to be easier to start at the beginning and then come back around now to finish. So instead of going to Corporate Officer three, let's hop on over and actually do WWE Corporate Officer number one. And we're going to pull up the board here for our Corporate Officer number one. These are the suspects. So what do we know about corporate officer number 1? Well, we've come to these particular names and faces because we know that corporate officer number 1 was both an executive, a high-ranking executive and member of the board during Miss Grant's stay at WWE. So this just so happens to be every single person that was both on the board of directors and an executive within WWE at that time. There were other board members and there were other executives, but only these people that you're looking at right now were both executives and board members at the time of Miss Grant's employment. Uh, another thing that we can decide right here and now for obvious reasons that it's not gonna be Vince, right? Vince was named in the document itself. He's the defendant. So of course he's not gonna be corporate officer number one. He's already named. He's already in the document all over the place. But everybody else here on the board at this time is fair game, being a high ranking executive and board member at the time. But what we're gonna do is we're going to narrow it down here based on the facts of the matter. So here we have our high-ranking board member during the time that Ms. Grant was employed, which is 2019 to 2022. And uh, we can take a look at this. It also states in the court case that this particular person stayed on through the merger. Well, we have Executive Mark Cowell over here who left the company. In 2020 we covered him earlier he left in the 2020 uh, cuts there in November so he was not he does not fit the criteria of this corporate officer number one who you know was there the whole time Mark Cowell was not there the whole time on to the next board we have Karen Mullane which we talked about earlier who took Mark Cowell's job over here on the left side of your screen. She was the one who moved in and replaced Mark Cowell and took his job. And moving forward to the next board here, we have two other people on this board that were not there for the entire stay that Miss Grant was working at the company. We have two people in particular that left the company very early on, so were not there through the merger we have Michelle Wilson and George Barrios, both board members. Uh, But if you guys remember, you guys will recognize those names specifically because it was Michelle Wilson and George Barrios who were outwardly outspoken against the move to put the WWE Network to Peacock, to sell it to Peacock, to pull it from its own standalone over the top platform and just sell it all to Peacock. Because they were, you know, uh, they were two of the top people that were there that helped build that uh, WWE network, and they did not want to see it go. They thought it was a bad move, and we all know Vince when he wants something, you're either on board or you're not. Those two were not, and they were kicked to the curb uh, because of that. So we know we can rule both of them out. Both of them left in January of 2020 because they were not on board with the sale of the WWE Network. Moving forward here, what else can we decide? We also know that this person continued to work in high-ranking positions in connection with the merger uh, with TKO Endeavor. So that's how we know that it was not going to be either Barrios or Wilson. But what else does this tell us? Well, looking at our board... We can also decipher that it's not going to be Christina Salin. Christina Salin left WWE in November of 2021. Uh, reports were when I did kind of dig up on why she was released or, you know, any kind of record, you know, pu- publicity news of her release no longer with the company. Uh, it was found that she just wasn't particularly well liked within the company. Nobody liked Christina Salen. So uh, she did not stick around on the board or even in the company through the entire stay of Miss Grant. And let's see what else we can decipher here. It was at this time, actually, that Frank Riddick stepped up and took her spot on the board. Uh, He was an executive at the company, in the company at the time. But that is where he stepped up and took her spot on the board. So we know that he replaced her. And looking back, so we have an employee, a high-ranking employee and board member who stayed on through the merger. Where does that leave us here going forward? Looking at the board, Nick Khan, the big dog for WWE here, the big mover and shaker. Nick Con was a board member during the time that Ms. Grant was with the company, uh, but he also stayed on as a board member through the merger. And one thing that uh, we got to pay attention to in the fine print of this document here is that this person continued to work in high-ranking in high-ranking positions in connection with the September 12th merger. But I just kind of make you wonder why, why was that listed separately after was a high ranking employee and board member at WWE? Uh, so if we're saying in the first line that this person was a high ranking employee and board member, why then do we continue to say that they stayed on in high ranking positions? Find that to be just a little bit vague, if you ask me. Uh, it does kind of, uh, to me, it indicates a possibility that this person was not a board member when the merger actually happened. That they were still with the company, that they were still held high-ranking positions, but they weren't the same exact positions that we listed them as to begin with. High-ranking employee and board member. Quickly turns into was still uh, in high ranking positions, you know, at the time of the merger. It's weird. It's weird phrasing that I want to put a caveat on. And that's why we got this little sticky here for Nick Khan. Uh, and then Nick Khan also did not join the board until 2022. He was an executive for the company, but did not join the board until 2022. Uh, For me, this seems to put Nick Khan out of the category here. I think the the wording, the phrasing of this officer number one doesn't quite point to Nick Khan's tenure as an executive and board member within the company. Now, uh, there is more to that that we'll get into here in a minute. Um, But worth noting, you know, that at this point, we're going to rule out Nick Khan because he does not seem to meet the criteria here that we're working with continued to work in a high ranking position why is it worded like that instead of just saying they were a high ranking board member an employee continued to work in high ranking positions it did not say continued to be on the board that's why i'm making that distinction right now for nick khan but what else do we have here to take a look at on our board Let's dive a little bit deeper into the document itself and see what else we can pull from that to add to our case here. Uh, to kind of build a personality around this person. Corporate officer number one uh, would personally help Miss Grant find another job once she was going to be leaving. Um, why is this per? You know, who is this executive and board member that's going to personally take it upon themselves to find a job for Miss Grant? Uh, another thing to note here is that the corporate officer number one and corporate officer number two are often referred to together within the document. For example, here are a few examples. Ms. Grant suggested that the NDA include both officer one and officer two, people that knew about the relationship specifically noted both one and two knew about the relationship and asked if they should be in the nda uh while miss grant was away in florida mcmahon called her and said it would be the last time you'll hear from him but if you need anything at all to reach out to corporate officer one or corporate officer two Uh, again miss grant introduced herself to corporate officer one who we're talking about now who responded by telling miss grant I knew exactly, knew exactly who she was. I know exactly who you are, this person said. Um, WWE corporate officer maintained an office. Officer One maintained an office suite on the executive fourth floor building, which was in a different building than Miss Grant and not even her department. So Ms. Grant's wondering why a very high-ranking WWE officer uh, and Miss Grant an entry level coordinator in the legal department why this guy is so well aware of her it's unusual that he would know who she is he's citing she's citing this uh, that you know this is not somebody that she works with or around he's not even in the same building not the same department how does this person know who I am McMahon summoned Miss Grant to his condo. Uh, an advisor that he met privately with corporate officer one and two, and advised those individuals of Miss Grant's his relationship with Miss Grant. Miss Grant is saying flat out, Vince told her that he told officers one and two about their relationship privately, off the record. Uh, that they had Miss McMahon continued that both officers one and two had expressed concern. And but were ultimately supportive. McMahon advised that one or both, Officer One or Two, inquired whether Ms. Grant could be trusted. More here. Ms. Grant wondered why McMahon name dropped Executive One and Two in connection with her coordinator's first job promotion. Ms. Grant questioned why McMahon brought up Officer One and Two in connection with her first promotion. Usually this would involve human resources, not these two people who don't work in her building or, or anything like that. Miss Grant inquired with both Officer 1 and 2 about whether it was appropriate for her to attend these executive meetings. When she got to the point that she was attending executive meetings, I would assume that this was when she was working for John Laurinaitis. She started in the legal department, and then after that lawyer, after uh, Brian Nurse... Had left And they were having trouble replacing. And there was drama in that department, uh, which seems to indicate it was most likely revolving around her. They just pulled her out of that department altogether. She's had a stint in the XFL department working with them. And then she was uh, informed by Corporate Officer 2. We'll get to that later. That uh, she would be uh, reporting to John Laurinaitis in talent relations instead and was moved there. And I think it's at that point that she started to attend executive meetings on, you know, with Laurinaitis or on behalf of that department. But she felt uncomfortable there, felt out of place and inquired with both one and two on uh, if it was appropriate for her to be there. So, again, with all of that said, you got to wonder, would it be Nick Khan just kind of put a bow on Nick Khan here? is nick khan kind of babysitting this new hire and you know making sure that uh checking with vince to make sure that she's trustworthy having private conversations with vince about their relationship you know letting them know uh, that this would happen is this girl comfortable going up to nick khan and asking nick khan if she belongs at the executive meetings is Nick Khan babysitting her you know when she leaves you know reach out if you need anything at all reach out to exact one or two you know so is is Vince telling Miss Grant that you know if any if she ever needs anything she can reach out to Nick Khan and some other person it's 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 not likely right why is he babysitting this person uh, why would he be responsible for finding her a new job when she leaves? All of that is very strange. does not suit Nick Khan. But we do have four other executives on the board who could be in play here. So let's keep playing. Let's see what else we have to work with here. Let's look at these other two executives on the board here. Karen Malane and Frank Riddick both were board members both were executives during the time of miss grant's stay at wwe let's learn a little bit more about them uh frank riddick is the director or was the director and interim chief financial officer who left during the tko merger Um, and then we have karen mullane who still works with the company to this day. She is still in WWE as the controller slash controller and chief accounting officer after she got a promotion. Um, so these are accounting people. She actually uh, was the one who replaced Mark Cowell. these are two people that are in accounting. They're in the financial department. These are not necessarily going to be people that are you know, going to be babysitting Vince McMahon's girlfriend, finding them a new job, wondering whether they could be trusted. Uh, now, look, they both kind of work in the same area. So it's possible when we're talking about a one in a two being grouped together. This could very well be Karen and Frank. They could be buddies. Um, but them working in different uh, completely different area uh, as far as being in the financial in the accounting it's not going to put them in a position where they're going to be babysitting so to speak vince's new girlfriend or even concerned about her to be quite frank riddick uh but what else do we know here You know mcmahon advised that they can call that she can call on corporate officer one or two anytime that she needs anything uh that could be Karen Mullane and Frank Riddick though I just don't see them being those it just doesn't fit Um, but what else could we be looking at on the other side if we are going to look at what might fit we got corporate officer one and corporate officer two mentioned together in all the times that I uh, went through with you there all those different instances we do have two Uh, People here on this board that just so happen to be married to each other. Stephanie McMahon, Paula Vac, they are married to each other. So one could stand to reason that uh, when Miss Grant is told to reach out to one or two and that she's going to one or two to ask advice about whether she she should be at a board meeting or not, uh, one could stand to reason that that would be, you know, a couple, a husband and wife. Perhaps Maybe she's comfortable going up to Karen and Frank. But it seems with them being mentioned together so often, uh, you know, that it could very well be because one and two are married. Perhaps. Let's dig deeper. We also know that one and two are family. They are related to Vince McMahon. Paul through marriage. Stephanie through blood. It says that's her dad. Uh, So when we're talking about these private meetings, we're talking about Vince talking with corporate officer one and corporate officer two and informing them about her relationship, them being concerned if she could could be trusted, them being the two people that Vince said, if you need anything at all, reach out to these people. Um, It just kind of points in that direction, doesn't it? But let's dig a little deeper. Let's see what else we can find. You see Corporate Officer 1 and Corporate Officer 2 always together, married, family. We seem to be painting a picture. It's looking less and less like a Karen Mullane and a Frank Reddick. but let's see if we can put a bow on this one for these guys. Um, And what we were able to come up with is for Frank Reddick, he left the company after the 2023 merger. Now, you could interpret, you know, the the document saying stayed in high positions through the merger. Perhaps that, you know, that person could have left the company after the merger still. Um, But it it does kind of, to me, read that that person could still be there. Uh, And we know that over here, Karen Mullane, she is still there. But neither one of these people appear to be part of Vince's inner circle Or people that Vince is going to uh, confide his relationship information with. Uh, But, you know, it could be completely wrong. But when you're following the paper trail here, uh, we got people that aren't really involved in any kind of uh, department. That's nothing with hiring personnel or, you know, overseeing any new hires or anything like that. And they're not in Vince's inner circle to the point where Vince is going to... Uh, trust these two to look after his new girlfriend within the company and and kind of look the other way and watch out for them and you know do favors for her and things like that i think everything we have points to steph and triple h here at this point and uh, we should we will be able to confirm this even further a little bit later as we do corporate officer number two perhaps um but let's follow this rabbit hole a little deeper um we have all the information there again just as a refresher and looking at this board the fact that they're having the off the record conversations with vince i think uh, but this was also somebody that stayed on through the merger and we're looking at two people right now that fit the bill completely 100 percent for every single one of these up until the point of one was not with the company through the merger and the other one was uh we know stephanie mcmahon was actually on leave in 2022 probably after she uh got the inside scoop on these allegations she took a little bit of a leave from the company and then uh eventually she ended up taking off while triple h stayed through during the merger Um, So based on that, with Steph leaving in 2023, finally stepping down completely away from the company, Triple H staying through the merger. Otherwise, those two are basically interchangeable for one and two. Uh, So, I mean, with everything provided here, I would go ahead and say it's it's uh, a pretty fair assumption here based on the preponderance of evidence that our mystery corporate officer number one is indeed paul Avec triple h there he is taking his place up on the board uh this one kind of hurt uh this is where this got to not be fun is when i found triple h because i obviously i like triple h and i like his creative and i don't want to see him in any kind of trouble for anything um but let's look at what is being accused here what is the accusation here with triple h well the accusation would be is that uh, he or corporate officer number one was in the know about the relationship and actively helped vince kind of cover it up or facilitate it And that by doing so, benefited by continuing to be a part of the company and advancing and and yada yada. So, um, Ms. Grant is is claiming that this corporate officer one knew about the relationship and benefited from covering it up and protecting Vince McMahon. Which, um, by everything here, unlike everybody else on this board here, I would say, unfortunately, Triple H, Paul Levesque is the first one on the board that I would say would plausibly allegedly be guilty of knowing some things that maybe he shouldn't know or some dirty deeds that were going on now this is not to say that he knows the intimate details i'll say pretty much across the board i don't think any of these people knew what was happening behind closed doors specifically as far as you know rapes and and uh, head shittings and three ways and the rough stuff and the dildos named after all, all the nasty details. I can't imagine that the any of these people know those specifics unless they were directly involved. Um, but I can't imagine the situation happening like this. Hey, Paul and number two. Guess who that is? Uh, here's the deal. I have this cute girlfriend. Uh, I need you guys to help look out for her within the company. <coughs> and she, they became his confidant about these two, they were to, they were tasked with the job of looking out for her throughout during her time within the company, not necessarily overseeing her as a boss, uh, but to kind of be there for her to, you know, if you need anything, reach out to these people. Uh, if you end up leaving the company or when you leave the company, these guys will help get you a job. Um, they were inquiring they had private conversations with vince where vince told one and two about his relationship with this person and they inquired whether said miss grant could be trusted i think that does implicate and i think that could go uh, a long way as to why everybody's why triple h kind of pussyfooted around that question and even went as far as to say he did not read the document i cannot imagine he didn't read it i've read it multiple times already uh and and it's not in legalese so much that it's impossible to understand or anything like that for the layman even so i can't imagine triple h just hasn't gotten around to it yet though he is a busy guy i'm sure he was at least briefed on it um but more so i would argue that if triple h is indeed corporate officer number one Corporate officer number one would avoid any questions in the media conference about the allegations because corporate officer number one, though not actively involved with the acts, was kind of front and center in knowing about this person and knowing that she was Vince's girlfriend and 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 kind of knowing at least that much and, and maybe uh, asking if she can be trusted also kind of infers that you know that there's something going on that could bring something that we don't want to see the light of day right if you're asking can she be trusted that means you know is she gonna hurt our little operation here is she gonna hurt you She gonna hurt our scam our company our livelihood blah 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 so unfortunately uh triple h is our guy here uh moving forward corporate officer number two now i think you uh can understand where we're probably going with this based on our last presentation here but we do want to give it its own fair look its own due diligence and really actually go through the facts of the matter to narrow it down to who we think this could be so here is our board for corporate officer number two now, how did we come to these particular executives here? Let's hop back over to our notes. And what we know about corporate officer number two was a high-ranking employee at WWE who made hiring decisions, conducted prospective employee interviews, and maintained significant control over personnel decisions. We also know that this person worked in these capacities during Miss Grant's employment at WWE. Um, and so based on those details that were provided we were able to come up with these list of people these are going to be the people here that were high-ranking employees with WWE that would have been able to make hiring and firing decisions within the company. Right off the bat, we can see one that we can cross off immediately, and that's going to be John Laurinaitis because John Laurinaitis is named in the lawsuit. So we're not going to have somebody unnamed that is named in other pages. So that just doesn't fit. Though, uh, you know, following the logic here, John would have made that cut, right? He's a high-ranking official in WWE, makes hiring and firing decisions and so on. This was somebody that Vince... Gave Ms. Grant personal coaching on how to interview with so that, uh, you know, they could get through it and that sort of thing. Johnny Ace just wasn't going to be that guy because he's already in the lawsuit. But this person conducted prospective interviews and had significant control over personnel decisions during the time that Miss Grant was employed. So going with what we already know, we know Karen and Frank over here, what we've talked about earlier. We know that they're the money people, right? Hopping back over here to our notes. We know Frank, director and interim chief financial officer. And we know Karen Mullane was the controller and chief accounting officer. Karen, still employed with the company, and Frank left in 2023 uh, right after the merger. Uh so they are our money people here Uh, and you can see them kind of linked together in that way, though. I don't think they're linked together in the officer one officer two way, though. It's very possible. Uh, they were also not making hiring in hiring decisions and placing people within the company as we have seen here with the details. Um, so they don't necessarily fit that mold at all either. And also I do want to acknowledge here, Um, let's see here. High ranking employee at WWE who made hiring decisions, conducted prospective interviews and maintained control over personnel. That's not going to be your accounting and financial office people. And on top of that, uh, both Frank Riddick and Karen Mullane were board members and, uh, executive and having executive positions at the time. Again, we know we're not going to leave stuff out of the lawsuit. The lawsuit document is not going to forget to mention that corporate officer number two was also a board member. Corporate officer number two was not listed as a board member through the period that Ms. Grant was employed. Both of these were. Frank Riddick uh, was a board member right up through 2023 into the merger. Cara Malane still works there to this day. So based on that, they don't place new hires. They work in the financial department. And they are board members. And this was not uh, mentioned in the document for officer number two. Uh, we're going to go ahead and rule out Frank and Karen. And so, looking at the board, we have Nick, Kevin Dunn, Brad Bloom, Bruce Pritchard, Stephanie, and Triple H. Kevin Dunn, he's a TV guy, right? TV production guy. That's what we know about him. He is not hiring legal p- people to the legal department. And he's not working with talent relations. And he's not, he's not placing anybody. He's not looking after anybody. That's not his role. Okay. Kevin Dunn is a TV producer. So he's not gonna be in that position where he's doing those types of things. Neither is Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard is a creative producer, and he's on the creative writing team. He's the head of the creative writing team. He is not the guy that is hiring people and firing people and placing people. That's just not going to be his role here conducting employee interviews, maintaining significant control over personnel decisions and worked in these capacities during Miss Grant's employment with the company. That just doesn't sound like a Bruce Pritchard to me. That's not the role that he's in though. He does do a lot of hiring. Uh, or did at one point when he was you know he he did have that talent relations role for a period of time he was not uh not in this particular juncture he was brought back to be to to work in a creative role and though we do have that thing uh ronda rousey let's see what ronda rousey had said that uh, bruce was vince's avatar right that was something that she said if bruce is still there vince is still there he's Vince's avatar and stuff. Okay, maybe. Uh, But in what capacity? In creative capacity. He's not going to be Vince's avatar in hiring people and overseeing them and that sort of thing. This is completely in a creative manner. If Vince has a creative pitch, it might come through Bruce Pritchard. You know, Bruce might be his surrogate for that but he's certainly not going to be, um, you know, his, his surrogate on the hiring and firing corporate executive and, you know, the talent relations. And that's just not where Bruce is right now. As you can see, high-ranking employee at WWE who made hiring decisions, conducted prospective employee interviews, and maintained significant control over personnel decisions. That at one point in time could have been Bruce, but it's not Bruce right now. So I'm going to go ahead and we're going to take Bruce off the board because he's just not in that position. That's not his role. I know a lot of people hate Bruce. I know a lot of people would like to see Bruce be that guy. I know a lot of people's ears perked up when you heard Ronda Rousey say that he's basically Vince's avatar. As true as that may be, it's going to be on the creative end of things. It is not going to have anything to do with the corporate office business side of things. It's just not. Not likely anyway. You know, remember, we're doing preponderance of evidence here. Nothing is absolute. We're not speaking in facts, but we are speaking based on all of the evidence provided that we're able to back up here. Uh, looking forward, we have Brad Blum here. Brad Blum has been with the WWE for a long hour. Time. Let's go ahead and hop on over and see what his role with the company was. Brad Blum was the COO, Chief Operating Officer, overseeing marketing, creative services, travel. He became the EVP of Operations and Chief of Staff in 2019, then CEO, or COO in 2022. And I do believe that was uh, Triple H's spot, right? When Triple H was removed from COO, he was the COO. Of a sudden that's this guy now brad bloom been with the company a long ass time so maybe it's him maybe he's the guy in that position that's doing that um he's you know obviously he's in charge of operations right he's the operating officer um that puts him in the role of a high level high ranking employee perhaps he's making hiring decisions and conducting interviews i don't know that that's necessarily that role as coo but it's possible so we have a long time employee and brad bloom as the coo but brad as you see being overseeing marketing creative services travel uh it just doesn't sound like a role where he's going to be babysitting vince's girlfriend right he's got bigger things to do um so i think just kind of based on that he does not necessarily fit the mole uh, he's not hiring people. He's not in league for the legal department or for talent relations department. Right. That's not his role. He's not conducting prospective interviews for those people. So we'll take Brad Bloom off the table, which leaves Nick Khan, Stephanie McMahon and Paul Levesque, which I believe were you know, the last handful of people that I had on last board for corporate officer number one. What else do we know about these folks? Well, we know Nick Khan was well-known prior to the WWE. He was a big-time executive in Hollywood. This guy was an agent to the stars. He was a mover and a shaker long before he came to WWE. He was a feather in the cap of WWE. He was brought in to do the big-time deals. I don't believe he was brought in to do babysitting jobs. He worked in this capacity for Miss Grant while Miss Grant was employed as a high-ranking executive doing the hiring decisions. The document also said worked in these capacities during Ms. Grant's employment with WWE, but I wonder why it was not worded like it was for number one, where they said that number one continued to work in high-ranking positions in connection with the merger. They did not say that for number two. They said worked in these capacities during Ms. Grant's employment. Uh, So there is a specification, right? We got to look at those. Why would they specify that one of these corporate officers stayed on through the merger and one they did not specify that? Doesn't mean they didn't, but they didn't specify. And if you specify it for one, why would you not specify it for the other? So that's sus, right? Uh and then obviously Vince called Miss Grant to advise if she needs anything to contact corporate officer one or corporate officer two, where they were having private meetings about whether corporate officer, whether Grant could be trusted with corporate officer one and two, uh, where they were advised of Vince's you know, affair, for lack of a better word. Why would Nick Khan, a guy that was brought in to do all these big business deals who already has a huge reputation in the industry, suddenly come in and want to get involved in Vince McMahon's personal life babysitting some new legal hire in the legal department in entry level an entry level legal coordinator? He wouldn't. He wouldn't bother with that. That would be that's too he's too big prick picture he's trying to make all these big tv deals and shit. he's not vince's baby he's not babysitting vince's girlfriend he's not going to get involved in vince's drama he's not going to be trying to fix things trying to keep things under wrap trying to keep things tight and flowing smooth he's a mover and shaker he's a deal maker He does not fit the mold of this person at all. Though he certainly could be. I just can't imagine you're going to bring in a guy like Nick Khan who's well known in the industry for being a big stud, a big agent, a well connected deal maker and he's going to come in and he's going to be babysitting Vince's girlfriend, looking out for her, finding her new jobs, interviewing her, placing her in the legal department. Eh, It's just not a Nick Khan job. So we're going to Cancel out Nick Khan here, which brings it down to our final two. Again, as we've done through preponderance of evidence, we have narrowed down corporate officer one and two to be Stephanie McMahon and Paul Levesque. So what do we know from here? Well, we did officer number one first to make it nice and easy here, uh, you know, to lend credence to figuring out what number two is here that we already know suspect number one. For corporate officer, number one, is Paul LeVac. So if he's already our suspect for that guy. And then we got this working forces here. Go back to this. Worked in these capacities during Miss Grant's employment with WWE. A high-ranking employee who made hiring decisions, conducted prospective interviews, and maintained significant personnel decisions. Who, by the way, Vince McMahon, was also noted in the document, Vince personally coached Ms. Grant on how to interview with Corporate Officer 2. Uh, Vince must know corporate officer very well. Corporate officer too, to be able to coach Miss Grant on how to approach an interview with her. Uh, but I think one of the key things hiding here was the way that they worded worked in these capacities during Miss Grant's employment, which is different than the way it was worded in corporate officer number one, where it was worded uh, continued to work in high-ranking positions in connection with the merger. Uh, Which leads me to believe that Corporate Officer 2 did not continue to work within these positions during the merger. So that's really to where I kind of split the definitions between Steph and Triple H here. Uh, also because Steph's going to be the one that's going to be, she's the more motherly figure, right? She's going to be doing the interviews. Uh, she's going to be, there's other things in this document. Let's see what we can find here. Saying that officer number two would find a place for Miss Grant informed Miss Grant that she'd be moving the talent relations from the legal department and report to Laurenitis. That's not going to be a Nick Khan, Right. So we know we've done our homework well. It's not going to be a TV guy. It's not going to be the big deal makers. It's not going to be the financial people. And it's certainly not going to be Laurinaitis. Uh, I really think it comes down to we were able to pinpoint Hunter as suspect one. And then uh, two, uh, officer two seems to be a little bit more motherly, a little bit more nurturing, a little bit more attentive to Ms. Grant, a little bit more. He was. She was... Uh, officer number two was the one who advised Miss Grant that things were getting a little too noisy in the legal department. You know, where people were, were you know, there was a lot of buzz going on about, uh, some rumblings about Miss Grant in that department. Stephanie was a corporate officer number one, or officer number two was the one who had advised Miss Grant of that. Uh, but the real kicker here, if we have it between the two, was the wording that uh, corporate officer number one did stay in connection with the merger. Corporate officer two, though they did not say did not stay during the merger, they also did not say that they did stay during the merger. But they did say that for one. So it's a big difference here. Hopefully that wasn't confusing. Uh, We also know that they are close to each other. One and two are hand in hand. They're always mentioned together in every, you know, throughout this entire document. Corporate officer one and two, one and two, one and two. They are the most found together. Everybody else is separate. These two are together. What do you know? We got Stephanie and Triple H. They are married. So there is that. Um You know, McMahon said, if you need anything, contact Corporate Officer 1 and 2. And, of course, their family. Stephanie is Vince's family. If Vince is going to lean on anybody to look out for his girlfriend in the company, confide in anybody that works for the company what's really going on. And, again, maybe not the actual dirty details, but that he has a girlfriend and that he wants her to have a job there and he needs somebody to look out for her, yada, yada, yada. He's going to tell it to family, most likely, right? Who's more trusted than family? And uh, we know Stephanie did not stay through the the merger. Triple H did. Corporate officer number two was not listed as staying through the merger. Corporate officer one was. So with all of that, we were able to deduce throughout the preponderance of evidence that we have here stephanie mcmahon is indeed corporate officer number two based on everything we were able to pull together and here you see the board again now uh as far as what stephanie could be looking at here for allegations same as triple h the allegation here is that this person both one and two were in the know about the relationship that they helped uh I don't know if cover it up is the right word but helped facilitate it. They helped kind of uh you know, they looked the other way at certain points. They looked out for Ms. Grant. They moved her around when she needed to. They were there for advice if she needed it. She, they were the two that she went to at the board meeting. This is another thing. If you're sitting at a board meeting that you feel like you're uncomfortable at, I don't belong here, I don't fit in here, all these big executives and then little old me. Who are you going to go up to and say, pull them aside and say, I I don't know if I fit in here. Two people. It could be, you know, any combination of board members, but wouldn't you go logically? And this is completely, this is just, uh, you know, an anecdote or, or just a logical assumption here. Wouldn't you go up to the married couple, the husband and wife, the mom and pop, the ones that you know are related to your, uh, to your boyfriend, to Vince, that you know, they know for sure that they're in the know, at least that you exist and why you exist and who you are, you're going to go confide in them, especially because Vince said confide in them if you need anything. So I think it just points to them. And yeah, they're completely complicit in knowing that this girl works there, knowing that and uh, kind of looking out for her and looking the other way at times and just facilitating the relationship. Did they know that it was, that there was some rapey stuff going on there? Do they know the extent of the illegalities that could be at play here that are alleged? Not necessarily. Um, but I would say of anybody on this board, these are the two that would know the most and seem to know the most based on the 67 page court document. doesn't mean they know the spicy details Uh, But they certainly knew Vince had a girlfriend in the office, and they certainly helped Vince uh, by helping facilitate Miss Grant's stay at the WWE in one way, shape, or another. Um, So it was pretty damning. Now, before we wrap this up and we solve for corporate officer number three, I do want to spend a little time and go through some notable mentions, just some other unnamed names that were referenced in this 67 page document, because they are worth noting, though they are not significant as the folks that you see on the board. Two of them are actually, but uh, we'll explain when we get there. So let's take a look at those uh, notable mentions we have another board of eight here we're gonna go a lot quicker through these ones um, these here another eight notable mentions these were referenced within the document to a lesser extent well six of them to a lesser extent to you know we'll get to here here we have another eight names mentioned within the 67 page document Again, we'll go through these a little bit quicker Uh, But these were mentioned to a lesser extent, most of them anyway, with the exception of two. Let's take a quick look. Linda McMahon was mentioned by name as Vince's wife. Um, But, uh, you know, obviously she was referenced as possibly knowing something, but knowing in the capacity of Vince McMahon's wife, knowing to the capacity that any wife would other a... Uh, You know that she's on to her husband cheating Or B if they have some sort of an arrangement Which is believed to be the case Where they stay legally married or whatever She's going to be in the know that Vince has girlfriends and stuff But probably doesn't know the spicy details Unless they have a really uh, you know that kind of relationship Which I don't think they have Um, Furthermore with Linda We can confirm that they had mentioned That they were scared of her finding out and in fact, uh, Vince had at one point broke it off with uh, Miss Grant's, you know, saying that, uh, you know, basically Linda had found out, and if it continues, that some shit could hit the fan. So it appears that they were scared of Linda knowing uh, something more than she might already know, which does not make her complicit in actually, you know, knowing anything dirty here. Uh, another person, the resident manager of the building. This was the person that made the connection with Vince McMahon and Miss Grant. Uh, by all accounts, this person was Miss Grant's bestie. This was referenced as the person that was similar in age and personality to Miss Grant, uh, that worked at the building as the manager, that also Vince McMahon just lived in the same building. Uh, miss grant had confided in the building manager that she was on you know down on her luck looking for a job it was the building manager's idea like hey i know vince mcmahon he's pretty rich he could probably get you a job and she reached out to vince and said hey i know this girl that's looking for a job do you think you could help and uh vince was ecstatic about it per the documents uh once he found out who she was some hot young girl of course he was uh, but what does this imply? This And then, of course, the uh, building manager was also referenced as somebody that Grant continued to confide in. You know, when she was unhappy at the company, she wanted to get out. She's saying that to the, this building manager. Um, but there's nothing here. This implies that the building manager, uh, Vince didn't put her up to this or anything. It wasn't like, a, hey, uh, why don't you, you know. Go talk to that girl for me and, and put me in connection with her. This was this girl was dropped in Vince's lap by this building manager who probably regrets it now, I would imagine. Uh, but this, she's no way complicit in like setting this up or anything. She was just trying to help out her homie and got her in a bad situation from everything that we could tell. This was her bestie. Nothing wrong here other than that. Uh, moving forward, we can also deduce. Uh, You know, so no wrongdoing there. We got that slide moving forward uh, WWE employee number two you'll notice when I covered employee one that we did not jump to employee number two That's because employee number two was mentioned Literally in a completely vague passing reference. Let's hop on over here and we'll jump to this and WWE employee number two Employee number one was seldom in the office and required little administrative support. So, Miss Grant reported indirectly to another WWE employee within the legal department, referred to as employee number two, who provided her with occasional projects related to talent appearances, XFL, and helped fill Miss Grant's time. So, essentially, what employee number two is, is giving Miss Grant busy work. Just somebody else in the office to say, here, you can make copies of these. Uh, if you like, instead of just sitting there twirling your thumbs because nobody else is giving you work and you're not really required to actually be productive or do anything because you're really just there because Vince put you there. So employee number two, just giving her busy work. There's nothing nefarious there, nothing worth noting, and that was literally the only time they were referenced. Who else do we got here? So there you see the busy work. We have uh, human resource employees, number one, and number two. Uh, these people were just mentioned in the course of normal business. They were mentioned as you know facilitating the employment of Miss Grant as human resource departments would do. Nothing else nefarious. They were not involved in any other connections. They were literally just uh, the middlemen from whoever put Miss Grant into place, whoever hired her. Uh, these people were just there to facilitate that process essentially. Um, so we can rule them out and by doing that, we can also rule out the VP of human resources because they were also just mentioned in a passing reference, uh, in relation to just their job and, and, and just what human resources department, what role they would play in any new hire. And that person was actually ended up being removed from the office as well. Um, Then we have the celebrity doctor and the physical therapist. These two are significant names, um, but they're here because they're going to be pretty much impossible to solve for, starting with the celebrity doctor here. We know this was Vince's handpicked doctor. When she, uh, Ms. Grant started needing to see a physician, she was stressed, she was losing weight, she wasn't eating well, she was sickly, she had injuries from her physical abuse, and for all of this, she was sent to a doctor of Vince's choice, per the documents. And that was this celebrity doctor. It's not particularly noted if the celebrity doctor is a celebrity, which I've heard speculated. Like a Dr. Drew, for example, or something like that. Dr. Oz. Dr. Phil, who I don't think is even an actual doctor. Or if this is just a doctor to celebrities. Like just a high-end doctor that deals with celebrities. Uh, They're just simply listed as a celebrity doctor. Uh, They also lavished Ms. Grant with treatments. Gifts and treatments at the facility. Uh, they didn't specify exactly what, but just different treatments and such that would be extra cost, extra expenses paid for by Vince McMahon, uh, provided by at this facility by this celebrity doctor. Uh, and the celebrity doctor challenged her trust and gaslit her at times. Challenged her trust where she would, at times, be uncomfortable talking, opening up, uh, you know, venting certain things to this doctor according to the documents uh, where the this celebrity doctor would be like, well, if you don't trust me then maybe we should, you know this should be the end of our so-and-so. I can actually, let's pull up instead of just paraphrasing, let's pull that up directly here. Celebrity doctor challenged her on whether she trusted celebrity doctor and postured that if she didn't trust celebrity doctor then we should part ways right now this doctor also had dropped a little gaslighty things like uh, that he and Vince McMahon had saved her life. Miss Grant's acknowledgement about Vince during these visits were met with little to no reaction, uh, including a quote here that the celebrity doctor said, uh, uh, many different paths to God's God in love. Then it was also noted that when Miss Grant needed representation, legal representation, Vince uh, pointed her in the direction of our celebrity doctor to help her pick out a lawyer. So that guy, definitely, I don't know if he knew very specifics. I don't know what Ms. Grant told him. I don't know if she was opening up mentally or if he was just treating physical abuse. Uh, in any event, he seems to, he was hired by Vince on Vince's payroll, knew he Vince was getting her all the extra gifts, and he was, you know... I think gaslighting her to a certain extent And feeding her thing We saved your life and that sort of thing I just feel like he's adding to it Whether he knows what he knows or not He's on Vince's payroll And he's there I, by At least by the way the documents are written up To uh, keep Miss Grant Happy Keep Miss Grant docile And solve her problems without her having to go to Anybody else He would certainly have records of her different injuries that she would have accrued that were referenced within the document. He would know about those and uh, certainly did not bring them to any authorities at this time that we are aware of. And at the very least would have just looked the other way on things like, oh, you have a a bruise. Well, I'm just not going to ask you about that bruise, that sort of thing. So certainly uh, he's very culpable and I wouldn't even know where to begin to try to name that person. I did do a casual google search of you know celebrity doctors in connecticut area and stuff i mean the list is a mile long uh with i would say you know i'm sure with with a budget and more time you could help narrow that down but really that's gonna come down to probably you know if, if anything discovery or anything goes further with these allegations or court case or if it goes to trial anything like that I think without any kind of documents being revealed texts anything like that we're just never gonna know who that is and same with this physical therapist physical therapist uh, is also going to be one of those people that is significant in this they are not an insignificant passing reference in this they are significantly involved they were involved in three ways with vince this was the guy vince's physical therapist that he supposedly recruited to bring in to do these three ways with miss grant and he was the guy that was there when during the shitting incident you know, he's also going to be someone that's pretty much impossible to trace a physical therapist in the Connecticut area. Come on. Good luck with that. It's going to take a lot of time to reveal that. Um, but he was absolutely accused of participating in the rougher sex and, uh, straight up rape because she, you know, in the document, she said no. And, you know, it was quoted that Vince, Vince and, or this, uh, Third party physical therapist I believe Vince Would have been quoted as saying No means yes Something to that extent Right So uh, The allegation here With this gentleman Is that Vince recruited him To come in He's Vince's friend Slash physical therapist To come in Join in on these three ways Join in on the abuse Join in on the rape And then was later uh, Propositioned to be placed On a regular rotation on calendar for Miss Grant to make regular visits to this person uh, outside of Vince, even you know, along with Brock. So some real sick shit there. This physical therapist is, you know, along with the celebrity doctor. These are the two on this board that are extremely culpable in this and should be brought to justice. But the only way that they will is if uh, it's revealed in court. You know, if we can get into some discovery, some documents are revealed, some texts are revealed. Uh, we might be able to, or under deposition, we might be able to find out who these people are and then bring charges towards them. Uh, if anybody that I have mentioned so far deserves charges, the celebrity doctor needs to be highly investigated. And this physical therapist uh, would need to be charged. If the allegations are all true, of course, because it's all hearsay. At this point, it is, to be fair, Miss Grant saying, alleging, that she said no. But that's just her word at this point. And I'm not saying that that's a lie. I'm just saying well, that's why this is legend Because this is not proven yet. It has not been hashed out in the court of law. But at this time that physical therapist man. He's a dirty player in this whole thing. And so is that celebrity doctor. Now, before we head into the home stretch here again, if you like what you're watching at any point in time during this video, please hit that like and subscribe down below. It helps brother out. Add in the comments and share this thing around. Let's blow this up. I put a lot of work into this, but not just for me. Uh, Let's do it for everybody involved, Ms. Grant, everything. uh, We need to expose these people and then let the chips fall where they may from there. And with the plugs out of the way, let's go ahead and dive on into corporate officer number three. And let's take a look at what we know about corporate officer number three. Corporate officer number three, another high ranking WWE official and member of the WWE board of directors at the time of Miss Grant's employment with WWE 2019 to 2022. Here you see the field of the people that could possibly fit that bill for Corporate Officer number 3 as well. Again, another high-ranking WWE official and member of the Board of Directors. That's these guys right here, all of them. Except we know a little bit about this board now, don't we? Let's take a look. First thing we know is that it's not going to be Vince, right? Because Vince is named in the lawsuit. We're not going to name somebody and then not name them later. So obviously he's not the mystery board member executive here, right? Another thing we know is that it's not going to be Stephanie McMahon and Paul Levesque. That's why we, uh, especially with this one, the way I ordered it this way, and you'll see when we get to the end, uh, it's important that these two were done first to rule them out as a possibility. Corporate Officer One and Corporate Officer Two are Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, respectively. So we know that about these executives, so we can take them off the board as well. <clears throat> what else do we know about these guys? WWE corporate officer number three mentioned for Miss Grant to. What else do we know about these guys? WWE corporate officer number three motioned for Miss Grant to sit in a chair near them at a boardroom table during one of the meetings. Corporate officer number three, not likely to be any board member, removed prior to March 2021. Um, here's why. Uh, Ms. Grant, this t- the the action here took place during a board meeting. A board meeting uh, full of executives and such. Remember earlier when I had talked about how Ms. Grant had went to Corporate Officer 1 and 2, Stephanie and Triple H, presumably, uh, asking them, you know, if she what the hell she's doing at an executive meeting. She doesn't feel like she fits in there. Isn't it weird that she's at one? Isn't it inappropriate? Doesn't she stand out? Um, so that would have happened, presumably, during the time that she was working with John Laurinaitis. So what do we know here? We know that she was given an entry-level position into the company, Miss Grant was, uh, in 2019 in the legal department. We know by early, by mid 2021, by April ish of 2021, uh, there was quite a stir going on there. She had pissed off corporate officer number four. He was removed. There was a lot of drama and scuttlebutt on the floor, and it was hard to replace people. So at that time, presumably, corporate officer number two, Stephanie McMahon, had advised Ms. Grant that that it was hot. Things are, you know, people are talking crazy out on the floor. We got to get you out of there. We're going to move you to the... Uh, and she did a stint in the XFL as well. But she was advised that she was going to be moved to Talent Relations reporting to John Laurinaitis, which was a huge mistake. Um, so I would presume it was at that point, now that she's working underneath John Laurinaitis directly in Talent Relations, that she's probably going to these executive board meetings with John or on John's order, it's not going to be in the early years as a paralegal. Uh, now I'm assuming this is an assumption, but it's an educated assumption, right? If she's an entry level legal coordinator down on the fucking legal floor, she who who and how is she attending these executive meetings? Right? She t- she attended them when she was working for Laurenitis directly, so that's where we're getting that assumption. And with that, we can assume that Michelle Wilson, George Barrios, and Mark Cowell are all off the hook here. All three of them left in 2020. None of them were even on the board in 2021, which Ms. Grant was in the legal department as a paralegal, as an entry-level coordinator, she said, in the document uh until april ish of 2021 at least was when they hired a new boss and when everything was kind of having issues getting people hired in there june is when they hired the new person somewhere in there uh so they had to move Ms. grant out of there presumably to let things cool off there so she would not have been attending executive meetings prior to 2021 that's going to rule out any of these executives from saying hey Come sit over here. And really, that's what we're looking at here, folks, by the way. Uh, corporate officer number three is literally only being accused of saying, hey, come sit by me. Right. Corporate officer number three motion from Ms. grant to sit in a chair near them at the boardroom table during one of the meetings. That is literally it. And because of that, it's inconclusive. Right? WWE corporate officer number three motioned for Ms. Grant to sit in a chair near them at the boardroom table during one of the meetings. That's literally it. Taking a look at the document itself. Uh, here's the, here, here is the here uh, is the accusation. Knowledge of the part of WWE further illustrated that Ms. Grant's presence became more visible over time, including executive committee meetings which were attended by individuals who had either direct knowledge of McMahon's sexual exploitation or, of ms grant or were otherwise suspicious ms grant's given length of employment and job title was abnormal sign different and special treatment for her to attend these meetings uh corporate officer number three uh is new of instances of mcmahon engaging in inappropriate sexual conduct i feel like that's a stretch I feel like, Ms. Grant, I feel like that's way off base. I feel like that's not a fair assumption uh, because just because somebody motions for you and that's literally the only thing said in the entire document. Hey, come sit over here. Come sit by me. To her. To me, that's just being nice. Look at this board here. We have these four people, none of them, these are the only remaining people possibilities, in my opinion, and based on the preponderance of evidence, that we were able to narrow it down to these four people. None of them strike me as being malicious. They all look friendly. Nick Khan, perhaps, but again, a big wig, a mover and shaker, a big deal guy. He's not He's not going to get lost in the weeds of drama and bullshit, Right this is very simply and could easily be a matter of a new face at a board meeting is invited hey come sit by me you know i don't know how miss grant or her lawyers could jump to the conclusion that because they were waived to come sit by them at an executive meeting and it was weird and not natural for her to have been at a board meeting that obviously the person waving to her must know that Vince is engaging in sexual misconduct with this person I think that's a huge stretch I think that's uh, good luck ever proving that in. Uh, which is why they were unnamed to begin with, because it's irrelevant, because there's nothing there. It's a nothing burger that nobody's going to get in trouble for and cannot be proven. It was a friendly gesture, in my opinion. You can't You can't really, there's no wrongdoing here. I don't know any way, which way you slice it. I just can't imagine that you could look at that situation and be like, oh, yeah, clearly they knew Vince was raping that girl. I don't even know how you could look at that and say, clearly they knew Vince was fucking that girl. It's she walks into a board meeting into the room. You ever go work at a corporate office? You walk into the room and somebody wait, sticks their hand up and says, hey, come sit by me. That's it. There was no further conversation, no further nothing added to that, to the speculation. It's a nothing burger pile of bullshit. And thus, when we're looking at this, we could say that it could be any one of those four. And I know it's a bit of a cop out because I said we're going to name these execs. Um, but you can't narrow it down any further than that You know, it was a board member sitting in a boardroom That said, hey, come sit by me In, in 2020 uh, In 2021 2022 So there's no way that this person There's no way to gather from that That this person knows that there's any wrongdoing And there's really no way to even narrow it down There was no other identifiers The only identifiers we have Is to know that it's, it's not Vince And it's not Triple H or Paul And that it's not the people that probably weren't there at the time frame that this meeting would have took place. So that leaves it to four. And any one of those four people could have been sitting at that board table. And any one of those four people right here could have said, hey, come sit by me. So very inconclusive there. And also a nothing burger. Nobody did anything wrong. Um, So it's it's bullshit. Now, before we pack it on up and head on out here, I do want to talk about one other person that was mentioned quite a bit uh, regarding this topic. Somebody that was not in the documents themselves, but is being talked about pretty regularly here about what they did know, what they didn't know. And that's my man, Ari Emanuel here. Ari Emanuel. Everybody's kind of wondering when he purchased WWE. Was he in the know? Did he know what was going on behind those doors? Did he know it was buying what he was buying? Let's take a look here. We have Ari Emanuel. We have Ari Emanuel as the head, the CEO of Endeavor, which is a the parent group, the investment group that had purchased the UFC back in the day. And that was a big deal when that happened. And that is the same group, Endeavor, not TKO, Endeavor owned by Ari Emanuel, uh that had picked up WWE WWE came up for sale and Ari Emanuel had already been doing business with the WWE had already known Vince well I do believe he was actually Vince's agent uh, I had heard of that a couple of places, but he's certainly the Rocks agent. He's our, certainly new Nick Conwell. So this is a guy that was already kind of in the loop, in the know, in the system. And WWE happened to come uh, available. And Ari Emanuel quickly jumped on that, and the WWE was sold to an Endeavor And Ari spun that off into a new group called TKO Group Holdings, which is still owned by Endeavor. But instead of Endeavor owning WWE and UFC, Endeavor now owns TKO, which is UFC and WWE. If all that wasn't confusing, you got to wonder what did Ari know when that came about? Did he know all the scandals that were involved with Vince McMahon? Uh, Now look, yeah, probably because... During the process of a merger or acquisition, there is a thing called due diligence. And this is one of the uh, final steps in the process where you've already kind of agreed verbally, like, I'm going to buy. Yes, I intend to buy this. Uh, but then you go through due diligence, which is actually having your people get in touch with their people and go through all the documents, all the fine tooth, everything with a fine tooth comb. Right. You're checking out uh, all the money situation. Make sure everything's adding up. Make sure you're buying into something. That is, you know, what people say it is and that there's nothing hidden or any kind of um, creepy shit hiding under the surface, like a Vince McMahon scandal, for example. It was during this process that I would imagine Mr. Arya Manuel did, in fact, uncover that there was a scandal with Vince McMahon. In fact, it was already kind of public knowledge by that point. Um, whatever documents the board had, I am positive Beyond any shadow of a doubt that Ari Emanuel would have gotten his hands on those documents and would have been aware of everything that was in there. So he's going to know everything that the board knew, uh, which is probably a lot because these accusations would have been leaked to the board before they went public. So I would imagine Ari does did know. And that's why uh, I believe the structure of the deal was to allow Vince to have the liquid assets. Now, Was this a plan that Vince was in on, or was this a plan that was done to, you know, pull one over on old Vince, to get one over on Vince? You know, was it a necessary evil here uh, to make the new TKO a thing with Triple H kind of running the WWE side, and, uh, you know, we all live happily ever after, because Vince ding-dong, the witch is dead, Vince McMahon is gone out of the picture, right? So... It was either a situation where Vince McMahon knew that he would be phased out and it was kind of just set up the way it was so it didn't scare or shock the system to the sh- to the shareholders. Because in a merger or an acquisition, if WWE was purchased and then they immediately announced that Vince McMahon is being removed from the company, that they're going to go free. That scares a lot of people. People not quite in the know. People don't know... You know, oh, Triple H got it now. He's fine. Like, a lot of people just know Vince McMahon runs WWE and they know if WWE sold and now Vince is out. That's scary. What about WWE? Who knows how to run WWE? Is it going to run the same? Is it going to function properly? So, uh, it could have been set up mutually by Vince and Ari to allow Vince to have those liquid shares so that he could slide out whenever he needed to. Knowing that a lawsuit or that bigger scandals were coming down the pipe and that uh, he would be, you know, kind of a figurehead during the transition and then would be able to be transitioned out of WWE when or if need be. That's option one. The other would be that Vince was not in the know and that this was just Ari's plan to, you know, infiltrate WWE, take it over and then push Vince out after. I would argue that uh, the fact that there was already a pre-existing scandal and that uh, Vince's stocks were liquid would indicate that that there was at least an idea on Vince's end, too, that this was not a marriage that was going to last, right? This was, Vince McMahon was not long for that world. Now, Vince is a fighter. Vince is stubborn. He's going to try to defend himself, and, you know, he already tried to worm his way back into the company once by being, you know, the, uh, you know, largest shareholder the controlling shareholder and wwe could not be sold without him or even do a new tv deal without him so he's able to weasel his way in that time he's not going to be able to do that here i do believe he's gone gone as this says here and i do believe that that is you know all's well that ends well whether are knew new up front or not what's he going to do not buy tko I think sometimes people just don't really think things through or really understand how the world works. You know, you think that Ari is going to go, oh, Vince is crooked and dirty, so we're going to stay away from WWE. No, he's going to go, I want WWE, I'll buy it, who cares about the crooked shit? Not who cares as in he doesn't care about his grant, but who can like, it's not going to stop him from buying the company and then he can just push out all the dirty shit and now he's got a nice clean company and you can do that. Theoretically, they can say, look, that's already saved WWE and saved them with their Slim Jim deal and saving them with their other sponsors and the stocks. Hey, this problem was Vince. He's gone now. All's well that ends well. Nobody's really digging into all the other stuff. Who else was connected to this? What everybody else knew? That is, except for me, your boy, Seth Grimes, who spent the better part of multiple days here researching the fuck out of this. I got curious about who did what, and I just started digging started by pulling, you know, who was on the board at what time, cross-referencing that by, you know, okay, they're not on the board the next year. What happened to them? Google search that, pull up some articles. Oh, this executive parted ways with the company due to this and this at this time. And just start compiling a list here. Look, I got this fucking huge uh document here i want to maybe make this uh, available publicly to anybody else that might want to look i am going to send it to some of the media journalists i don't know who's going to pick up on it or not but look man i got it all hyperlinked and everything you just corporate officer one, two, three, four, all the way through. And then I got details on all of these people. Look at corporate officer number one, we jump to that, boom. There it is, corporate officer one. We wanna to jump to three, boom, there it is. Officer number three. Wanna know who the referee is? Jump to that, boom, referee. Here's all the facts. All these bullet points, these are all things that were written about this referee in the document. Each bullet point is a mention. All you do is you pull up the document, you highlight referee, you throw it in the find, and then you, you, you find next. And it'll pull up every single mention of that person within the document. And I just kept going from there, man. Kept digging. And here we are. I'm uh, very happy with my work. I won't keep you much longer. I've kept you long enough. Please like, follow, subscribe if you liked it. Spread this around. It needs to be shown. Uh, it's important that uh, these names are out there because if there is anything complicit... If there's anything further that can be done or anybody else that needs to be shaken loose from wwe now is the time i hope this uh finds its audience and gets seen here and i think uh hopefully it will and something can be done about it that's it peace love and pizza i am your boy seth grimes Whew. now i'm gonna rest because god i mean i still gotta upload the video and stuff but wow uh, this was the most work I've ever done on on any kind of journalistic or video project ever. And I'm really proud of it. So uh, hopefully you guys liked it.